You know, contentment is often about how well we control or don't control our circumstances. Which is why what Paul says in this little letter, this little Christmas card to the Philippians is so shocking. He says, I have learned how to be content. Something you can learn? Yeah. He says, I've learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. Up, down, abundance, need. There's a secret I've learned to being content. Like, you know, listen, I'm not ready for your secret. I'm still going to try and control circumstances, don't you? I try it when people get together. You ever try to control people? Like, come on, guys, behave, behave, behave. Just, just don't fight while we're at grandma's house. Just don't fight while we're in the car. Just could you hold it together just for an hour? Could you not bring up that subject? Please don't say that. Oh, I can't believe you said that, right? You try and control people to bring yourself some contentment. At least for an hour, I felt like I had Christmas. Other times, it's more generic. I'm just going to dial up the, the comfort in my life and dial down the pain. But isn't it true that life... Life will not be managed. Life will not be controlled. It's much better at just kicking you in the teeth. Which is why Paul shows up to this group in Philippi and says, I want to teach you about a mindset. There's a way to think about life that will help you learn to find contentment, regardless of your circumstances. And here's what's shocking. Paul writes this letter about learning to find Christmas contentment and the message of Christmas from a prison cell. In fact, archaeologists think they have found the actual prison Paul spent time in when he was in Philippi. He later wrote this letter, this little Christmas card to them, while he was in another prison. He says to them, you want to know the secret to being content? Kenosis. Say what? Kenosis is the meaning of Christmas. What? Kenosis is about how God adapted to us. And if you understand how God adapted to us at Christmas, you will have the power and the secret to adapt to whatever circumstance you find yourself in, to find joy and peace and contentment. He says, I want to give you three uh, Christmas adaptations that will give you the secret to adapting to any circumstance. The secret to marriage, right? How do I adapt to my spouse who thinks differently than me, has different needs than I have? How do I adapt to a, a company, a boss, a coworker? Or how about a child who, man, there's one kid maybe you're raising who's just like you and the other one is so different. How do you adapt? How do you get the energy to adapt? Kenosis is the real meaning of Christmas. We're going to get three Christmas adaptations that give us the secret to life. And the first Christmas adaptation is about learning how to adapt what I do. Now, the first aspect of kenosis is the first adaptation. It's that I adapt what I do. Now think about God. God is totally free. I mean, he's outside of time and space. He's the most joyous being in the universe. And yet he chooses to leave that place with no limitations to come to this prison we call Earth with disease and misunderstandings and betrayal. And he did that for you and I. He adapted what he did. 
And Paul picks up on this for the Philippians. He says, guys, let this mindset be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but rather he made himself of no reputation. No reputation. That's Christmas. God who, who lived in heaven came to this outhouse of earth and he adapted himself by being born as a child in a manger. Now, a manger, many of us think of as that big wooden thing with hay in it, but actually a manger was made usually out of stone. And out of stone, it was a place that animals would drink. And he allowed himself to be born in a stinky stable, which was often a cave, a place where animals were kept during a storm. And God comes to this place. He comes to that prison cell. He looks and sees us inside. We're in bondage. We're in need in this prison of earth. And God leaves all of his luxury and steps into the cell for us. He, he adapted to us. He came into our bondage for us. He put our needs ahead of his own. It's amazing during this COVID time, I've seen so many stories of people who've done just that. Do you remember the interview we did about five months ago with Wayne? It was Wayne's small group had one guy in the group who was in a nursing home. And because of that, he couldn't come to small group. And they called in, they zoomed in, but it wasn't that personal connection. So the group adapted, right? They stepped in, they came to the window, they called him from the window and they made big signs to let him know how important his needs were to the group. I was reading a story about Mary Daniels. She lives in Jacksonville, Florida. It's amazing is that her husband had dementia and the last couple of years have been hard, but she would come into his room with him. And when she came into that room, she would pray with him, talk with him, help calm him when he lost track of what's what over the last, last few years. But since COVID, 114 days, she couldn't see her own husband. And all of a sudden, this job offer came open. It was a job offer to be a dishwasher at the nursing home. Well, she had an incredible career. But she gave up her career so that she could become a dishwasher to be with her husband. See, that's what God did for us. He left the, the, the prominence of heaven to come to the prison cell of earth to become a servant, a, a dishwasher, to be near us, to provide for our needs. And that's the first aspect of, of kenosis. It's adapting what I do. But the second aspect is to do it without losing who I am. You know, every prison has a chapel. Why is that? A chapel is like a sacred space where people can come and find forgiveness, and find hope and find joy. In one sense, God was up on the podium in heaven he looked down and he saw us in need of sacred space. And he came near. In Christmas, he stepped down into our world. He came down into that manger to be near us. What's amazing is as he did it, it didn't lose any bit of who he was. See, that's our Christmas adaptation number two. I adapt what I do without losing who I am. See, Paul goes on, he says, Jesus did not consider robbery to take the form of no reputation. And that phrase, to, to take the form, is to empty yourself, to kenosis yourself. It's almost like saying that God took 100% of who he is as God and poured it out into 100% of a human being. 
He did that out of humility. He wanted to become what we needed, so he emptied himself. Now, he gave up some things temporarily, right? No longer was he omnipresent. He was in the form of that child. But he came and dwelt among us without losing who he was. He was in the likeness of God. doesn't mean he looked like God but wasn't really God. He was fully God, but he poured himself in to a human being without losing not one little bit of who he is and who he was. Now, why is this so powerful? Why does it even matter? Because if he's fully God, right, he can represent God's justice. But if he's fully man, he represents our need and our humanity. He can truly substitute for us, which is what he did. Now, there's a lot of unhealthy relationships, right? You've often heard of codependent relationships. I've got to adapt. I've got to become whatever you need. But I'm not doing that out of strength. I'm doing that out of weakness. I am actually losing who I am. You've had brothers or sisters or people who get married and you're like, wow, I don't even recognize them anymore. They've lost themselves in that relationship. That's not what God did. He didn't lose himself. He served. He humbled. He came near us because he's God and because out of strength, not weakness, he chose to adapt without losing one little bit of his divinity. Others of us have seen domineering relationships where one person demands that we act a certain way or demands that we adapt. It's not what we're talking about here either. God doesn't demand. He chose to serve. He chose to forgive. He chose to come near in that little baby because of who he is. That's what God does. God looks, God sees, and God serves. God is always about adapting to other people without losing who he is. I think what's amazing to me is that God came out and sat among us. I mean, the word Emmanuel means God with us. He didn't stay at a distance up on the podium, up on the platform. Instead, he came and dwelt among us. And what motivated him to adapt, what motivated him not to lose who he was, is that he did it out of a place of strength. He adapts from a place of strength. I want to serve you. I choose to serve you, not weakness. How about you? But there's a lot of reasons why I don't adapt. There's a lot of reasons why when I try and adapt, I do lose who I am. I lose my temper sometimes. I lose my patience. I'm often amazed at how selfish I can be. I remember we had a Christmas picture many, many years ago. It was the extended family, right? Everybody got together, everybody and the kids and grandkids. And that's fine. I just don't really like Christmas pictures. They're usually a hassle, but I'm like, I'll do it. And I don't really care what I wear typically. So I'm like, ah, oh, mom, what do you want me to wear? So we put on outfits and then all of a sudden I heard that one of our relatives, who shall remain nameless, had requested that we all wear jeans and a t-shirt. A second ago, I didn't care. But when I found out who wanted me to wear jeans and a t-shirt, I could feel myself stiffen up. No, I'm not gonna do that, that's ridiculous. Why would we do that, for Christmas? I suddenly had all kinds of strong opinions about Christmas photos. I suddenly was not going to adapt. And it really wasn't because I cared that much. It's just because I didn't want so-and-so telling me what to do. Right? 
God was willing to do so much for us, and it's amazing what little we're willing to do to adapt to others. We get angry, we get irritated, we get, no one's going to control me, right? We, we do that. And Christmas is a reminder that if, if God really adapted to us in such an unbelievable way, he goes from being a multidimensional, beyond time and space being to a little child. He doesn't lose one bit of who he is when he does it. Couldn't you and I, out of a place of genuine strength, choose to serve other people, even people who irritate us, even people who annoy us or just drive us crazy in our family, say, God, I'm going to adapt to them without losing who I am, even though they may take it for granted, even though they may, they may be very irritable and very controlling. That, that may be true, but I'm, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for you. See, some of us are willing to go a little bit to adapt, right? I'll go to the first row. But sometimes the people who annoy us the most require us to go two, three, four, go all the way back to adapt for them. But God did that for us. That's what kenosis is about. It's emptying ourselves. It's pouring ourselves into others because God poured himself into us. I adapt what I do without losing who I am. But then there's a third aspect of Christmas adaptation. Why do we do it? We do it because of what you mean to me. Imagine you're a prison guard. All day long, you're checking in prisoners. What would it take for you to trade places? You give up your freedom and you take on their incarceration. Like, I don't think there's anything that would make me change places. Nothing. In fact, the closer I was to the situation, the less and less likely it would be that I would ever make that exchange. And yet Paul turns to the Philippians and says, well, that's exactly what God did. God was willing to spend 33 years in this prison called earth, even die brutally by the Romans. And it was for one simple reason. Remember we talked about kenosis? The third Christmas adaptation is this. I adapt what I do without losing who I am because of what you mean to me, God says. I was willing to do it because of what you mean to me. You were so valuable to me that I was willing to die, and not just die in way, but to die on a cross. It says he became obedient to death, death on a cross. You see, if I had come in history, I would have come maybe during a time when lethal injection was in vogue, not Roman crucifixion. Brutal pounding of, of giant nails into your hands and into your feet. But God wanted you and I to know just how much we mean to him that he was willing to die for us, that he was willing to be persecuted for us, that he was willing to endure so much for you and I and what we did. Isn't that what happens, though? In fact, God rewards us when we adapt. It says that he positioned him at the right hand of God. When he saw him dying for us, he rewarded him with resurrection. To communicate to Jesus, we want to communicate to you and I. We matter. In fact, isn't it true that when you adapt to somebody, you communicate to them how important they are? 
When you choose to put their needs or preferences ahead of your own, they feel valuable. They feel treasure. They feel like they matter. Right? Your spouse has got like three things they like to do and you've got three things you like to do and you know when they choose to listen when they'd rather not be listening. When they choose to talk a little bit longer than they'd like to check out and go watch TV. When they choose to go to the movie you like, not just the movie they like. And you feel valued. You feel treasured. You feel important. Well, the same thing is true not just when you do it to someone, um, when they do it to you. Maybe it's with your kids. We've all got a son or daughter that maybe has a personality similar to ours. But what about that son or daughter that's different from us? Maybe you're a numbers person and your son or daughter are more into, uh, maybe they're an artist. And you love them, right? You just don't necessarily get them. But they can feel it when you take the time to understand them, to hear their story, to say, hey, I'm not good at this, but tell me what you love about music. Tell me what you love about that particular thing, right? And you're communicating to them that they matter to you and they matter to God. Adapting always costs something, but always communicates something too. Maybe it's financially. You adapt your giving. You adapt your spending habits. Instead of spending money A, I'm going to spend it on B because something's important. Maybe it's God. I want to thank God for his work at Horizon in my life. God, I'm going to not spend on A because I want you to know how much you mean to me. Maybe it's a nonprofit. Maybe it's somebody who you're serving and you're changing or adapting your spending habits to communicate love to somebody else. Maybe it's vacation. You give a week of vacation and you decide, I'm going to go spend a week in Belize to give away free medical care, to care for people who would otherwise never have this kind of thing. You adapt your calendar. You adapt your spending for vacation to communicate to someone you don't even know how much they mean to you and to God. Or maybe you want to stop by our giving tree at the church. On that giving tree are lots of opportunities to communicate love. You could pick up an ornament that gives related to city gospel or maybe inter-parish ministries. Or this year we have 100 prisoners on that tree. Maybe you want to communicate to a prisoner that they matter. Buy them a gift. Write them an encouraging note. Did you know Jesus said that whenever and whatever you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me? He says, when you visited me in prison, what's Jesus doing in prison? He said, well, if you visit anyone in prison, you're actually loving on me. See how powerful that is? That's kenosis. It's the idea that I adapt to others because God adapted to me. Kenosis. I adapt what I do without losing who I am because of what you mean to me. So how do you have that Christmas mindset? Well, think of Tim Robbins from Shawshank Redemption. In fact, we're shooting today at the very prison they shot the movie. Think about how he was able to find joy in his circumstances when he knew there was that way of escape. Remember the big poster? There was like this way and like that last couple days, he knew he was about to escape and it totally changed his mindset. He still came and sat in a cell, but he knew he would soon be free. 
That's the idea Paul's getting at here. When you realize that whatever happens in this life, you can be free. Ultimately, God is with you in the midst of this, but also you're going to one day get out of here. You have the hope of heaven and the full reward of it. In fact, there's a verse he goes on to say. He says, there's a secret to being content. And then there's a verse you may have heard, seen it on a, a jersey maybe. Philippians 4.13, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What if you really believed you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you? That no matter what you face, no matter what you're up against, you've got a source of strength that can overcome anything. But see, that source of strength isn't just so you can run a good business or you know, score some touchdowns. That's fine. But what he's really saying is God gives you the strength to do all things, meaning learning to being content in abundance <laughs> and in need. That's the mindset that changes everything. And when you get that, God says, then I want you to be as, as generous to others as I've been to you. I want you to realize that I can give you the strength to serve others, forgive others, love others, give generously to others, compassion, money, service, because you know that I've done the same for you. You can live generously. You can live selflessly because you have something that cannot be contained and cannot be torn down by circumstances. Imagine Paul sitting in that, that prison in Philippi. He's been beaten to within an inch of his life. He's sitting in shackles. What they would do in those days is they would take your legs and spread them apart until they almost dislocated and then lock them down into shackles on both sides. You're bleeding. You're bloody. You've been beaten. And all of a sudden, you start to think about Jesus. What? Yeah, Paul starts to think about Jesus in the middle of those circumstances. How generous God had been suffering for him, living for him, dying for him. And as he was suffering in that moment, remembering how Jesus suffered for him, something came out of him that surprised everyone. Now imagine Paul and Silas sitting here in their shackles, bleeding against the back wall. And now imagine you're a, you're a prisoner nearby. You're listening in. See, there's something about being at a prison. You love it when the newbies come in, right? You love it their first night because who knows, are they going to blubber like a baby? Are they going to cry? Are they going to swear? Or are they going to cry out to their gods? So all the prisoners that night are listening in. Paul and Silas are in prison. <laughs> I heard they're religious. Can't wait to hear what comes out of them. And they all lean in on the wall. They lean up against the bars. And they hear something. At first, it's almost a whimper. Is he crying? No. It's music. I think he's singing. Paul's having a Christ Mass, Christmas, a Mass, a worship service about Christ. He, in this jail cell, is in Philippi, is singing about how he adores him. And there's a second voice. It's like a two-part harmony. They're adoring Christ in their circumstances.
It's like Christmas has not only come into this jail cell, it's now filling the entire prison. Adore him, Christ. 